I begin in the name of the Almighty God, the compassionate, the merciful, the one who has created everything in utmost perfection. And may the peace and blessings of the Almighty God be upon His pure and beloved Messenger, the peak of His creation, the symbol of humanity, the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. And his immaculate progeny of the Ahlul Bayt, peace be upon them, especially the leader of our time, the awaited Savior, Al-Imam Al-Mahdi, Ajjalallahu Ta'ala Farajah. May Allah hasten his reappearance and make us all amongst his sincere and dedicated servants. Respected brothers and sisters, Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. I extend my sincerest condolences to you all on the martyrdom of the sixth Imam of Ahlul Bayt, Al-Imam Ja'far ibn Muhammad al-Sadiq On this evening, we are commemorating the legacy of this Imam. One of the most amazing aspects of the legacy of Al-Imam al-Sadiq is that you have what is called a quantitative miracle that the Imam has no other figure in the history of humankind shares him this miracle. What is this quantitative miracle? Today when you look at the number of narrations that have reached us from Imam al-Sadiq and the number of ahadith that are attributed to Imam al-Sadiq you'll find that no figure in the history of humankind has been coded as much as Al-Imam al-Sadiq has been coded. No king, no philosopher, no intellectual has been coded as much as him. And this is truly a miracle that someone who did not have a state, he did not have an army, you did not have modern technology to record what you say, and tens of thousands of statements and, and teachings have reached us from Al-Imam al-Sadiq He's the one who preserved for us the teachings of Islam. Almost 70% of our teachings, for instance, the book of Kafi has about 16,000 hadiths. 70% of our teachings come from Al-Imam al-Sadiq That's truly a miracle. He's the one who preserved the teachings of Rasulullah And I challenge anyone to bring me a figure in history from those eras, a king, a philosopher, anyone, who has over 20,000 statements attributed to him. This is a quantitative miracle. And that's why his grandfather called him As-Sadiq, the truthful one. Because he knew through divine inspiration that his grandson who would spread his knowledge most would be Imam As-Sadiq but also qualitatively, when you look at the quality of the teachings of Imam al-Sadiq you also see a miracle in the beautiful teachings that he's left behind us. That he left behind for us. Imam al-Sadiq was the oldest Imam, other than Imam al-Mahdi He was the oldest serving Imam. He lived for about 68 years. Imam al-Sadiq was born 
in this holy city of Medina. And the Imam السلام, was also martyred in the city of Medina. He was born in the year 80 after the Hijrah. And he was martyred year 148. Now what gave Imam al-Sadiq the opportunity to educate thousands of students is the political crisis during his time. The Umayyads had wrecked havoc in the Muslim Ummah. People were fed up with their injustice, with their tyranny. And there were many revolutions against the Umayyads. So there were people who were bringing down the Umayyad dynasty. And the Abbasids, they were carrying a banner and they were saying, we want the rule for the family of the Prophet. For Al-Muhammad, this was their slogan. Some people came to Imam al-Sadiq and they told him, should we participate in these revolutions? Should we side with the Abbasids and their people? The Imam said, no. You think these people are truthful? These people just want power. They don't really want the Ahlul Bayt to rule. They want the power for themselves. So I don't recommend that you get involved in this political crisis. So the Umayyad dynasty falls. The Abbasid dynasty is rising. There was a gap. There was a vacuum for a few decades. That gave an Imam al-Sadiq freedom to teach. At 1.4,000 students would attend his lessons. Can you imagine that 14 centuries ago, 13 centuries ago? 4,000 students listening to him, writing his knowledge, not just in legal studies and fiqh, not just in the Holy Quran and the tafsir of the Holy Quran, in astronomy, in chemistry, in biology. In all of these sciences, the Imam was raising a generation of scholars. Every Muslim today is indebted to the services and the knowledge and the teaching of Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq He truly brought quality to the Islamic sciences. And until today, we examine the words of the Imam and we're inspired by the knowledge that the Imam has given us. So the Imam had this unique opportunity to raise a generation of scholars. And the Imam would teach his companions to diversify their knowledge. You know the Imam was very open. The Imam would not tell his students, no, no, only listen to me and my teachings and everyone out there condemn them and don't listen to anyone else. Not at all. He raised his students to know the diversity out there, the diverse opinions. Because you know who's a true scholar? A true scholar is the one who knows the haqq, but also knows other opinions, and is able to address other opinions. That's a true scholar. One of the students of Imam al-Sadiq was Aban ibn Taghlib. Aban ibn Taghlib, he did something that he thought was questionable. So he kind of regretted it. He's like, let me double check it with Imam al-Sadiq He comes to the Imam, he says, Imam, I am your Shia, I'm one of your followers. But not everyone knows that. It was an era of taqiyya, right? Era of difficulty and persecution. So people, because I'm knowledgeable, people come and ask me. And so when people ask me a religious question, a philosophical, theological question, this is what I tell them. 
I tell them that this madhab, this school of thought says this. This madhab says that. And then I'll slip in your opinion in the middle of those opinions. I'll slide your opinion. Because I know that your statement is the true one. So I don't come and openly say, Ja'far ibn Muhammad says this. I will creatively share your thought, but I will mention other thoughts as well. Is what I'm doing good or no? Do you approve of what I do? To share these different opinions with the people? The Imam salam told him, this is exactly what I do when people come and ask me. People come and ask me and I give various opinions. I tell them, if you want the opinion of this madhab, this is what this school of thought says. This is what that school of thought says. And this is what I, the scholar of Al-Muhammad say. I do the same thing. Yes, it's okay to hear diverse opinions, but hold on to the truth. And in fact, when you see other opinions and thoughts and you have a good grounding, this gives you more yaqeen. Because you can see the beauty of the knowledge of Al-Muhammad. The Imam salam taught his companions to respect diversity. Yes, have dialogue with other people. Get to know other schools of thought. It's okay, but hold on to your religion and show them the beauty of your path. This is a beautiful lesson that the Imam salam gives us. Now, unfortunately, many of us don't implement it in, this, in, in our era. We live in a, in, in a society, believe me, most fellow Americans, they have no clue what we believe in. I myself, I've witnessed it. When they hear the teachings of Quran, Islam, the teaching of the Prophet ﷺ, they are moved. They are moved. Just a few months ago, I came to a high school here in Toledo. One of the dear brothers had arranged for the visit. And you just speak to them minutes, minutes about Islam. And believe me, not deep philosophy. Simple things, what we believe in. They're inspired. Just look at the looks on their faces. Is that what you believe in? Is that what Ramadan represents? And, and they asked questions and they were so intrigued. They have no clue what we believe in. Believe me, most people in our country, in our society, they're not aware of the gems that you have. Go out and share them. That's how I honor the legacy of Al-Imam al-Sadiq Take these treasures and go out there in society and share these treasures with them. But yes, this requires that I know what the treasures are. The problem is, some of us, some families, we don't even know what treasures we have from Al-Imam al-Sadiq That's why it's challenging. But let's discover these gems and share them with our society. And my dear brothers and sisters, don't be shy and have a... You know, and have weak self-confidence. No, I don't want them to know that I'm Muslim. I don't want to have this conversation with them. They are interested in knowing what you believe in. Learn the basics of Islam, articulate them well, and they will enjoy hearing about Islam. Believe me, some of them, they tell me we can sit here for hours and hours and just learn about your faith and what you believe in. Because this is amazing knowledge that they don't necessarily have. Share it with your society. That's what the Imam salam would do. He would educate a generation of scholars and he dispatched them to different societies. Go, 
Sit with the people. Talk about different subjects. It's okay. And that's how the Imam السلام, preserved the teachings of his grandfather Rasulullah I would like to share with you some beautiful words of wisdom from the Imam السلام, Because the words of the Imam illuminate the heart. They illuminate the spiritual heart. They give you yaqeen. They are very practical. There are some beautiful statements by Imam al-Sadiq I would like to share them with you as we commemorate his legacy. In this beautiful incident, I would like to share with you the generosity of Imam al-Sadiq Normally we don't hear about the generosity of the Imam, but you know how generous the Imam was? Let's show the world out there, show your families this type of generosity. Once the Imam السلام, was in the masjid, he was praying the nawafil, the extra recommended prayers. A man comes, he was a traveler, someone from out of town. He comes to the masjid of the Prophet and he also prays. After he finishes his salah, he realizes that his belt, which had money in it, because back then, what was the wallet that people carried? They had golden coins, silver coins. It was a belt. They'd wear a belt called himyan in Arabic and they would put their money there. That was their wallet. He finished his salah, he realized his belt is not there, it's missing. He looked around, he didn't see anyone in the masjid except who? Ja'far ibn Muhammad So immediately, what did the shaitan tell him to do? He accused the imam. He came towards the imam, he told him, look, there's nobody but you here and I'm missing my belt. So you stole it from me. Put yourself in the shoes of the imam. Someone comes to you, unjustly accuses you. You're doing your own prayer. The person says, you stole my money. You stole my belt. What would you do? Some of us will get up and probably knock the person down. We'll yell at them, shame on you. Why are you lying? The imam السلام, told him, I did not take your belt. But let me ask you, let me, let me end this dispute right now. How much was in your belt? He said 1,000 dirhams, 1,000 silver coins. Significant amount of money. With 10 silver coins, you could buy a sheep at the time. So it's a lot of money. You could buy 100 sheep with this money. Just to give you an idea of its purchasing power. The Imam السلام, went and he brought from his money 1,000 dirhams and he gave it to him. He's like, here, take it. End of dispute. I don't want this to grow and for you to go out there and cause problems. And we're brothers at the end of the day. Look at the generosity of the Imam. This guy goes home. When he reaches home, he realizes he had forgotten his belt at home, wherever he was staying. He finds his belt with his money. He feels ashamed. He comes back and he tells him, Oh Ja'far ibn Muhammad, I apologize, you're right. You did not steal my belt. I found my belt at home. Here, take your money. Take it back. The Imam السلام, says, We al Muhammad. When we give something, we never take it back. Take it. When I give you something, I don't take it back. It's okay. You can keep it. It's halal for you. Where in history do you find generosity like that? Show me. Somebody who accused you, who put you in difficulty, made you lose money. And then they admit it, they know the reality, they come back, they give the money, you say no. 
we come from a family. When we give something, we don't take it back. That's the generosity of Al Muhammad. This is Imam Sadiq salam. Akhlaq is not just something you preach on the mimbar or in front of other people. Some of us, we know how to speak well. We know how to preach well. We know how to lecture others. True akhlaq is when you put it in action when you're put on the spot. When someone comes up and embarrasses you, how do you react? That's true akhlaq. This is a beautiful lesson from the Imam If we implement 1% of this type of akhlaq, imagine the brotherhood you'd have in your society. Imagine the harmony you'd have in your families. Look at the creative way that he used just to end that controversy. End of discussion. 1,000? Faddal. Here's 1,000. And Allah supports you. Allah compensates you. When you bring harmony in society, even if you spend from your resources and you sacrifice, Allah compensates you. You're leaving a legacy. My dear brothers and sisters, the 1,000 coins is not going to build a legacy for you. Money comes and goes. Who cares? It is these moments, these moments that build a true legacy. There was a man who had passed away. Very, very decent man in one of the communities overseas. During his fatha, his funeral, a person came, nobody knew him. And he was crying like he had lost his own father. The people, the family were puzzled. Why are you cry, crying like that? What do you know about him? We don't even know you. We've never seen you. He said, I have a story with this deceased, this marhum. I have a story with him. One day, he was in the masjid praying. And as he was praying, I noticed that he had a very expensive ring. Maybe because he had done wudu and he was waiting for hands to dry, or for whatever reason, he put his ring on the carpet as he was praying. He says, that person says, that I have a habit of stealing valuable items. And I'm very good at it. I'm skilled at it. You know, some people, when they pick your pocket, you don't even notice it. He was one of those people. He says, I go and stealthily, discreetly, without him noticing, I take the ring. And then he's like, I'm, an, I'm on the side. I'm making myself like I'm some wali min awliya Allah praying my salah. He says when he finished the salah, the guy was smart. When he finished the salah, he called me. He's like, come. He's like, oh no, I got caught. He noticed. He's, he's like, I tried to deny it, apologize. I was thinking of a strategy, an exit strategy. He told me, look, I know you took my ring. Maybe you're in need. I don't want the ring back. I don't want to take you to the police. But here's my business card. I told him, your business card? Why are you giving me your business card? He says, because the next thing you're going to do, you're going to take this ring to a jewelry shop to sell it and make some good money. The jewelry shop owner, when he looks at the ring, he will know you stole it. Because this ring doesn't match how you look. <laughs> I'm just telling you. It doesn't match your appearance. And he's going to call the cops on you. If he doubts you, here's my business card. Tell them I got this ring from this person. 
The man says, I went to the jewelry shop to sell it. The minute he looked at it, he told me, look, I know this ring is not yours. And he wanted to call the cops on me. I took out the business card. He called the man. He verified it with him. He said, I'm crying like someone who lost his father. In my life, I haven't seen someone like him. I don't know him. He doesn't know me. But that moment changed my life. After that day, I repented to Allah. I changed my entire path. One, one small incident like that can change an entire human being. This is the inspiration of Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq And this is a beautiful lesson, beautiful teaching that we learned from him. Another beautiful, amazing lesson from the Imam alayhi salam, and this one's really relevant in our era. The Imam alayhi salam teaches us that our appearance, our looks, is a great means of trial in this dunya. It's a trial in two ways. One way are those people who are not satisfied with their looks. They're not happy with their looks. They hate their looks, they hate their body. And this applies to our younger generation. One of the causes of suicide, depression, anxiety amongst teenagers and people in their 20s is that they're unhappy with their looks. I'm unhappy with my body. I hate this body, I hate these looks. One person told me, Sayyid, every day I look in the mirror and I see how ugly I am. Which of course the person is not ugly. But that's how society sometimes manipulates you and deceives you into thinking that you're ugly. You're the creation of Allah. Allah molded you. But the person really thought that they were ugly. The person says, every morning I look at myself in the mirror and I curse myself and I hate myself and I wish I would die. Yes, this is what Hollywood does to you. This is what social media does to you. This is what TikTok does to you. This is what Instagram does to you. It makes you unsatisfied with your looks. That's a trial. Allah gave you this body. It's a gift. Appreciate it. Your Lord gave it to you. It's a gift. See it as a divine gift. This is one side. Then you have the other side. People who socially are seen as having very good looks. They're beautiful. They're gorgeous. They're handsome. And, that, and that's a means of trial for them. It's a responsibility. My dear brothers and sisters, having good looks is a burden and a responsibility because you have to use that in God's obedience, can you? Because the opportunity for haram is more. The opportunity for arrogance is more. The opportunity for selfishness is more. And so this hadith from the Imam alayhi salam states, and the Imam al-Sadiq alayhi salam, on the day of judgment, a woman who has been deemed as being beautiful is brought on the day of judgment. She failed her trial because of her looks. She deceived men because of her looks. She fell into haram because of her looks. She felt arrogant because of her looks. So on the Day of Judgment, Allah holds her accountable. Now she is smart, you know, women are smart, mashallah. She defends herself before God on the Day of Judgment. What does she say to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? She says, Ya Rab, hassanta khalqi hatta laqeetu ma laqeet. 
Oh Allah, you gave me my good looks. And that's why I had this trial. So she's trying to tell Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, you gave me this power, you gave me good looks, and unfortunately I failed my trial. But you gave me those looks. It seems from the hadith she's trying to blame God or deflect blame from herself. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell her? The response comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَيُجَاءُ بِمَرْيَمْ عَلَيْهَ السَّلَامِ فَيُقَالُ أَنْتِ أَحْسَنْ أَوْ هَذِهِ قَدْ حَسَّنَّاهَا فَلَمْ تُفْتَتَنْ Allah will bring Maryam alayhi salam, Mary, the mother of the Christ. Allah will tell this lady, are you more beautiful or Maryam? Maryam, by the way, was known for her beauty. She was one of the most beautiful women of her time. Allah will tell this lady, look at yourself. Are you more beautiful or Maryam? We gave her beautiful looks, but she did not fail her tri trial. She protected her modesty and chastity and her, and her humbleness. She's a hujja on you on the day of judgment. Beautiful lesson that you learn from Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq It's a liability. It's a responsibility. Make sure you use this in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is one beautiful teaching from the Imam salam. Another beautiful teaching from Imam al-Sadiq salam is the following hadith. Implementing this hadith gives you peace of mind, my dear brothers and sisters. It brings you rahat al-qalb. It removes stress from your life. The Imam salam states, Ar-raghbatu fid-dunya turithu al-ghamma wal-huzn wal-zuhda fid-dunya rahatu al-qalbi wal-badan. The Imam says, having expectations from this worldly dunya, from materialism, always pursuing this dunya, wanting this dunya, wanting money, wanting power, wanting this position, wanting attention, competition for attention. The Imam says this leads to sadness, to depression, to grief. Because you can never get enough of this dunya. You reach this stage, you want more. You want more attention, you want more likes, you want more comments, you want more money. Right? It doesn't stop. You buy, you buy 10,000 crypto, the market crashes, you keep buying more and more and more. It doesn't stop. We have that greed. This greed will generate depression in your heart. It will generate sadness in your heart. But the Imam says, the zuhd fi dunya being indifferent to this world, cutting and severing unhealthy attachments with this world. This brings you rahat al-qalbi wal-badan, peace of mind, and it brings you a good body, a healthy body, because stress kills. One of the biggest reasons why people have heart attacks is stress. Stress kills a lot of people. Just like other things like smoking and cancer kills a lot of people. Stress is a big killer here in this country. The Imam says, you want to avoid stress? Don't have expectations. Whatever Allah gives you, thank Allah. Work hard, whatever outcome you achieve, be content. Accept that outcome. Don't be obsessed with seeking more and more from this dunya. Lower your expectations in this dunya. The lower your expectations are, the happier you are, my dear brothers and sisters.